Invest in USD in one, two, three. Kickstart your international investments today. Cryptocurrencies were intended to be the way in which you transfer value in the blockchain. The blockchain, uh, for people who are a little bit behind and have been living under a rock for a few years, a quick explanation is the blockchain is a computer system that allows us to store information on thousands of different computers. And in that way, you can stop somebody being corrupt. So you can stop somebody changing something in one computer and then it's it and then they've changed it forever or they steal something from one computer and then they've stolen it if the record of a transaction or the record of information is shared amongst thousands millions of different computers you have to change it on all of those computers in in order to have it changed and you can't do that with without the system knowing. Welcome to Easy Does It, a podcast by Easy Equities, where we simplify money and investing. No jargon, no complications. Your cool guide to investing. Easy. So we enter part two of our conversation with Graham, investing trends for 2022 and beyond. Some would refer to him as the Sangoma of investing, but he is a futurist. He reads what's happening globally and he's got a fantastic model that helps him to do that. Uh, Graham, uh, going back to investing trends for 2022, I want to talk a bit about remote work going back into the office. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I think people have realized that if you can work from home, and we know that not everybody can, but if you can work from home, you're probably going to have at least some options of working from home in the next little while. Some employers are saying you must come back to the office and then they're saying, well, you must come back two days, three days a week. But I think the negotiation is going to leave people with flexible options. That's where we're going to end up, I think, after a little bit of negotiation. So from an investment perspective, there I think there are two very interesting opportunities here. The, the one has got to do with just setting up home offices. And this has got to do with home electronics. If people are realizing, I am probably going to work from home long term. This is no longer just a COVID emergency response. This is now my long term. Then, <laughs> and given that load shedding is still a reality, people are going to be buying inverters, maybe mini generators, maybe just a little, you know, UPS uh, uh, battery or something. Uh, they might upgrade their home data uh, so that they've got better Wi-Fi at home. Uh, they might upgrade their laptop or buy a webcam. So anything kind of in home electronics or making a smart home. Uh, is is going to be of interest, right? And we're going to see uh, money pouring into that. And of course, the smart home was going to happen anyway. Uh, I think it's just going to come a little bit faster uh, in 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 the next few years. So any anything in in that space is is going to be of interest and going to see growth. On the other side, there's there's very interesting things to do in the in the property sector, because a lot of companies are going to realize one of the good reasons to get their staff to stay at home is that you need a smaller office. You don't need all that office space and maybe you can downsize and you don't have to pay as much in, in your rental or, or you can rent out some extra space in a building you might own. And 
I think we can look at some of the property companies, especially property companies that are making money out of refurbishing and and repurposing buildings. I think we might see in the CBDs of Cape Town and Santon, we might see buildings being converted into residential units so that they're more flats and apartments in, in the inner cities. Um, I think that we might see more of these offices that are rent by the hour or rent by the day uh, type offices, the WeWork type uh, or, or uh, Regis type options. Um, and those companies might might be worth looking at from an investment perspective. So I think there's a whole lot of stuff to look at in the property sector um, uh, that might be quite different and we might discover that the the rules in that industry are rewritten a little bit over the next few years. Krim, I'm so glad you spoke about property. It was one of the questions that I wanted to ask you about, you know, property investment trends. Um, which one will we see exploding? I mean, we've got listeners that are big, uh, easy property investors. So from a residential point of view, I was very keen to know from you, um, is residential property a good place to be looking at? Or should we be looking at these bigger organizations that, as you mentioned, are most likely going to refurbish older buildings to create then residential properties? Or is the standalone home still an option from an investment point of view? You know that's a, a very important question, and I, I'm, I'm not a I, I'm not an expert in that industry. But let me tell you what I think the trends are, and then people, obviously investors, must look carefully whether those trends match up with what they're seeing in their sector. But if people realise that they are going to be working from home more, and now I'm talking about the middle class and and above, right? They might look at their house and say, "My house isn't fit for purpose." Like I did, I had to convert my garage into a studio because I speak for companies, I speak at conferences all the time, helping them to think about the future and to prepare their strategies. You know, for the last two years, I haven't been able to travel. Companies haven't been having conferences, but they've still needed to do strategy workshops. So I had to create a green screen studio with high definition cameras and lighting and, and all the rest. And so I converted a garage in my house. I'm lucky enough to have a big enough house where I could just take over the garage um, and, and then make another plan for the cars. Not everybody's got that option, but some people will build on an extra room or they'll, they'll build something, you know, an office in the, in the garden. Again, I'm, I know I'm speaking in a country where so many millions of people live in shacks and townships. We've got to be careful um, that that we acknowledge that. But I'm talking about your middle class and your uh, sort of suburban residential um, property. It's going to look very different in the next few years. Some people are going to want to move. And we've already seen this happening. People are moving out of Johannesburg and moving down to the Western Cape. They're moving down to the Midlands of KZN. I mean, the Midlands of KZN, that, that Midlands meander area, Nottingham Road and, and that area there is the property market has gone bananas. And in Franschhoek and Paul and areas like that, Somerset West, the property market is going it's unbelievable. Um, and so, we, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all answer to your question. I think, sadly, the, where I live, the Johannesburg property market is a little bit depressed at the moment. Uh, if you're into buying properties, it's probably a good time 
to, to buy some in, in Joburg. Um, you're probably slightly late on the trend to buy investment properties down in the Western Cape uh, and KZN Midlands. Uh, but, you know, I think there's a long way to go. It's what's it called? The semigration. Uh, what do they say? If, uh, you know, if you want to leave South Africa, Stellenbosch is a great place to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and I think that that's underway again um, at, at the moment. This time driven more by people realizing I don't have to live near the office. Um, I can I can commute uh, if I if I need to. So yeah, uh, you know I I think the the residential property market is going to look very different in the next few years than what it has looked like in the last few years. And a smart investor will spot those shifting trends and, and be able to take advantage of them. And and a smart investor is definitely listening to this episode and uh, you know absorbing some of uh, your knowledge and and information. I'd like to just switch a little bit. Uh, Graham and talk about a bit about sustainable investments. We know they are fast growing trend internationally. Where is South Africa with that? Are we behind? Is there any sort of danger with it? Is this something that perhaps South African investors aren't even worried about at this point in time? Well, what are your thoughts on sustainable investments? So uh, just so that everybody is is clear on what we're talking about here, this is where we make our investment decision not only looking at whether the company we're investing in will make a profit, but also that they will take care of the planet. It goes back, if, if people are interested in reading it, there's a something called the King Report uh, that was released many years ago. I think it's now in its fourth version. And it talks about three Ps, profit, planet and people. And the idea is that companies have to actually report not only their financial profits, but also their impact on the planet and their impact on people, both employees and customers, and of course, the communities uh, around them. And the idea is that ethical investors Investors who are not just looking for the most amount of financial return, regardless of the impact of the planet, that ethical investors will actually reward companies that are ethical and take care of the planet. And so that's what we mean by ethical investing or sustainable investing. And this is a global trend, and I do think that it is impacting South Africa. I know a lot of our mining companies, especially internationally, do all of this reporting and are really, really working hard uh, to incorporate uh, the communities around them to make a positive impact even though, of course, mining uh, is quite damaging to the actual planet itself, literally to the rocks and soil of the planet. But that the, these companies think about the long-term impact and do their best to mitigate against it. It, it really is, a, is, at one level, it's at the moment a personal investment decision, whether you want to have a look at that as an aspect of your investing decision-making. Uh, I certainly do. Uh, I, I attempt to, to find out about a company's uh, ESG, they, they, they call it the, the ESG information, and then make my investment decisions based on that. And I think more and more investors are doing it and more and more companies are realizing that they have to take this seriously because in the future, it might be the difference between getting investors and not getting investors and even getting clients and not getting clients. So this is definitely a trend for the future. Mm, it's such an, an, an interesting trend because I think it goes back to your P 
uh, part of of your model, the people. Exactly. Um, so who are you? What do you want to achieve with your investments? What are your goals? And then applying it to the types of companies that you choose to invest in, which I think is quite interesting. Uh, Graham, I want to chat a bit about uh, something that I know you're not a huge fan of, and that is the likes of Bitcoin and Ethereum and all types of crypto. <laughs> uh, what role do you think it will play in the markets in uh, 2022? Do you perhaps foresee more South Africans adopting crypto and perhaps even adding it into the investment portfolios? <laughs> You've obviously been stalking me on social media. About once a month, <laughs> I uh, uh, I chirp all of the people who've bought their cryptos. I, I normally try and uh, time my uh, anti-crypto rants when Bitcoin's collapsed, you know, because uh, Bitcoin's <laughs> like a yo-yo, you know. And if people watch me carefully, I never comment when Bitcoin goes up by 20%. I always comment when it comes down. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm saying that deliberately because I, I do believe crypto is here to stay. I'm not anti-crypto. Uh, because I think cryptocurrencies are a part of our future. And what we have to understand is what cryptocurrencies were intended to be. Uh, cryptocurrencies were intended to be the way in which you transfer value in the blockchain. The blockchain, uh, for people who are a little bit behind and have been living under a rock for a few years, a quick explanation is the blockchain is a computer system that allows us to store information on thousands of different computers. And in that way, you can stop somebody being corrupt. So you can stop somebody changing something in one computer and then it's it and then they've changed it forever or they steal something from one computer and then they've stolen it if the record of a transaction or the record of information is shared amongst thousands millions of different computers you have to change it on all of those computers in in order to have it changed and you can't do that with without the system knowing so, I mean, that's a very simple explanation of, of blockchain. People can do a search on YouTube for, for my four-minute explanation of, of, of blockchain, which is one of my most uh, watched videos, and, and get a little bit more, more detail. But blockchain is going to be used in all sorts of different ways, from registering your house with the government to doing our share trading on, on the JSC. The blockchain is, is in the future going to be the way that we do those transactions. And in the blockchain, you need a way to transfer value. If I want to send some money to you, I need a way to send that money to you in the blockchain. And we deliberately don't want banks involved in the system because we don't want to be limited with our national borders. We don't want foreign exchange involved. We, we want to exclude the banks from the system. So that's what cryptocurrency was originally invented for. It wasn't invented as an asset class. It wasn't invented as something that will make you money. It was simply a way to transfer value in the blockchain. So what's happened now is that it's become an asset class on its own. And that's what Bitcoin is now. Nobody ever bought anything with Bitcoin. I mean, I don't ever. I mean, some people have. But most people just trade Bitcoin, forgetting what it's supposed to be. It's just supposed to be a currency. It's not so, I, I shouldn't be able to come to you and buy 20, a 20 Rand note from you. I shouldn't be able to buy a Buffalo note from you for 40 Rand. I mean, that doesn't make sense, uh, you know, and you shouldn't be able to sell it to me for 10 Rand. I mean, it's worth 20 Rand. That's why we use it as money. And that's supposed to be what Bitcoin and Ethereum are. So at the moment, it's gone crazy. 
at the moment it's just this false fake thing that that everybody's just trading um and the only thing worse than cryptocurrencies are nfts which <laughs> yeah you want to try and sell me a jpeg or a gif <laughs> yeah funny so well uh, people are going to shout at me for this twitter's going to go crazy for my commentary yeah come at me it's fine uh and also send me your your nfts i'll send you exactly what they're worth which is a kiss Mwah. um so the problem is that all of this is going to collapse right um and yeah you might make some money out of bitcoin because you're lucky you buy it low, you sell it high. Of course, everybody who buys low and sells high is ripping somebody else off. So if you make money, your auntie's losing money. Everybody who makes money, somebody's losing money in the system. Because this money, there's no underlying asset that's growing in value. Um, it's, it's just being made out of thin air. But... So all of that, everybody's freaking out now. All the crypto guys are going crazy. They're looking for my Twitter handle to come at me already. Um, but let me not say that we must ignore cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is here to stay. And I long live cryptocurrency. I think we need cryptocurrencies in the market. I want to get the banks out of the system. I think the banks are a problem uh, in, our, in our system. And the, the, the faster we move to cryptocurrency, the better uh, our economic system will be. But it has to be a regulated environment where you can't lose money, where your wallet can't just be stolen from you or disappear. Or if you lose your password, you've lost all your money. We've got to have a better regulated system. And so yeah, uh, it's a bit of a rant and a, and a long way around to not really answer your question. But I'm not a fan of crypto as it stands, but I am a fan of crypto and blockchain in the long term. And um, uh, at the moment, I think you've got to be a brave investor to include crypto in your portfolio. Personally, if you want something that risky, I'd prefer to take 1% of my investment portfolio and buy lotto tickets every week. I think you've got more chance of making money out of the lottery than you do out of crypto. The, the key takeaway for me is about the technology behind it. So the blockchain exactly. itself for me, that's where I see the value, the smart contracts and, and so forth. But it's going to be an interesting one to see the direction that crypto takes uh, you know, in 2022 and beyond. There's two other things that are on my mind and I want to stick to this digital theme that we're on. Uh, I want to chat a bit about artificial intelligence and gaming. Uh, what do you think some of the trends are going to be in that space? Well, look, I'm not a huge fan of the metaverse as it stands at the moment. People who are buying property in the metaverse. <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, again, I think that fits into the same category as, as NFTs. But the concept of augmented reality is amazing. And I think that once we've got over this little hype factor that Mark Zuckerberg's trying to create about this metaverse, I think we'll see huge opportunities for virtual reality headsets, for augmented reality, extended reality. I, I think that's the better way to talk about all of it, XR. And I think one of the huge ways in which we're going to see that working is in gaming. One of my uh, colleagues, his son is, uh, I think, 17 years old now and is becoming a professional computer gamer. And he makes huge money through online gaming in Korea before COVID. But I think now after COVID, they'll go back to it. They used to get over 200,000 people buying tickets to come into a stadium to watch gamers play games on big screens in stadiums. Um, and there's, there's the X Games channel now on DSTV where you can literally just watch people playing computer games. 
older generations, and I, I am one of the older people, but I love this stuff, but the older generation typically don't understand this. And they say, what on earth is this? And then you look at the amount of money we pay football stars and NBA stars and all the rest. And you say, well, why shouldn't we pay that amount of money to computer gamers? And why shouldn't we watch people play computer games if, if computer games is your sport, uh, is, is the thing that entertains you? So there's a huge future in, in, in gaming, online gaming. Uh, there's obviously a huge future then in some of the extended uses of virtual reality and augmented reality, which will go into the medical world, into the engineering world, and then probably uh, into, into other parts of the world. But to think that all of us are going to live in virtual reality in, and, and have offices in, in the metaverse uh, in the future, I'm not so sure. I completely agree with you. And, and I do think the AI and the gaming sector is such an interesting one. It's growing. And I think there's definitely opportunities for retail investors. Um, the last question and, and the last thing on my mind, Graham, is something that I'm very interested in at the moment. And it's this idea of alternative investments. So when we talk about investing in classic cars and livestock and wine and paintings, uh, do you think we'll see an increase in demand um, in terms of alternative investments in South Africa? And perhaps even globally? Uh, those investments uh, options have always been uh, around and I think they'll always be there. And, and I think that companies, and, and obviously Easy Equities is one of the companies that keeps innovating and keeps thinking about these things. Companies that make ways for us as ordinary investors to invest in these things, I think they're fascinating to, to look at. Um, and yeah, so everything from... Uh, art to, as, as you say, horses, uh, classic cars. Uh, these are all fascinating ways uh, for us to invest. And I think, you know, they've, they've been around forever and they, they will continue to, to be around. I, a number of years ago, started investing in, in wine, for example, in fine wine. And then COVID got me to realize that the real value of my investment is that when the bottle stores were closed, I had stuff to drink. So unfortunately, I'm drinking my investment, but still it feels like a good a good use of my, uh, of my wine settle. And I just have to realize this is not funding my retirement. It's funding my survival through lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> I think nobody would blame you for uh, dipping into uh, your investment in terms of the wine. Uh, Graham, what would you say are the key takeaways from our listeners from part one and from part two? Well, you, you know, you introduced me as the, the San Goma. Um, obviously, if I could predict the future, I wouldn't be talking to you. I mean, please, I would, I would be living on a private island, maybe a private planet somewhere else. You know, obviously, nobody can predict the future. Uh, what we can do, though, is we can choose how we attempt to analyze future trends. Some people come at it from a very, uh, in, in the investment world, we call it the technical aspect. And so they'll look at the graphs of stock prices going up and down and everything, nothing ever just goes up. It goes up, it comes down, they look at demand, they look at, uh, at, at the factors that influence stock prices. And then they are able to make decisions almost 
irrespective of the underlying company or the underlying asset. And they'll, they'll know when to buy and then they'll keep the stock and it'll increase a little bit. Then they'll know when to sell. And whether they do that on a day-by-day basis, and we call them day traders, or they do it on a sort of weekly or monthly basis, they're very active uh, in terms of managing their portfolios. That's one way uh, to do it. And it works well if you, if you know what you're doing and you put the effort in. I think, and this is the takeaway I want people to to take, I think there's another way uh, of looking at investments. It's not a better or worse way. It's just a a different choice. And that is to look at the world around you, to to try and get a sense of what are the big forces that are, are shaping the world. Forces which five years and 10 years from now are still going to have a huge influence. Forces like digital transformation and the fourth industrial revolution, forces like healthcare, forces like property. These things are not going to disappear. Uh, And then also look at negative forces like climate change and, and so on. And once you realize that these are big forces which won't ever stop and you get a sense of where they might go in the future what you then do is you look for companies you look for investment opportunities they might be alternative investments as well Uh, and you you say these investment opportunities look like investment opportunities that understand these trends and forces and and are geared up to take advantage of of the threats and opportunities that are coming And then you have a look at the management behind it, at the people behind it, and say, do I trust these people? Have they got a a history of making good decisions? And then you invest. And you might not see a 5% or 10% return on your investment within a few months. But Warren Buffett, who's obviously the most famous and most wealthy individual investor in the history of, of the world, I suppose we could argue, His argument was that you will never succeed in every investment you make. You're always going to have one or two or three dud investments. The key is to never lose big. So his argument is if you're trying to win big, you're taking quite big risks to win big and to get those quick returns. Um, That's not clever because If there's the potential to win big, there's also the potential to lose big. And his argument was you'd rather have consistency. You'd rather have an investment that is consistently growing and that you can be confident in its growth over three, four, five, 10, 20 years. Then, you know, a decade from now, you look back and you realize, yo, I've made a lot of money and my money is safe. That's my approach to investing. And if that makes sense to people, then some of the conversation we've had uh, in uh, in this last hour together will help you to look for those big trends uh, and to choose investments that you are comfortable will give you that long-term response. Graham, where do we find you on social media so we can stalk you and uh, pick your brain as well? Where are you? Where can we locate you? I, I'm, I'm lucky to have a name that is is unique in the world. So Graham Codrington, uh, look at the show notes for how to spell that. Uh, G-R-A-E-M-E, uh, Codrington. And uh, you'll find me on, on, all, the, on all the socials. Um, and my own webpage, GrahamCodrington.com.
Thank you so much, Graham, for sharing some investing trends for 2022 and beyond. An amazing South African author, futurist and strategy consultant, sharing a few things that you need to consider as you continue along your journey to owning the market. Thank you for pressing play on the Easy Does It podcast. A big shout out to you for hanging out with us. Don't forget to subscribe. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of this episode on Twitter and Insta. Our handle is at Easy Equities.